0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. All eyes are going to be on Atlanta. Well, I mean, they'll be on the Bronx, too, because a judge. But in terms of team accomplishments, they're going to be down on Atlanta because the Mets and the Braves, they're going to lock horns this weekend with first place in the National League East at stake. And joining us now to talk a little bit more about the defending World Series champions, it's Kevin McAlpin, outstanding member of the Braves Radio Network, and he's nice enough to give us a couple of minutes on the program. Kevin, Dan Grassa, 98.7 up here in New York. How are you, my friend? Dan, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Didn't you just feel, Kevin, when the schedule came out, and certainly as we got into the season, into the summer, you looked at that series to begin the month of October, the weekend down in Atlanta, and you just had this feeling, boy, it's going to come down to that one, isn't it? You know, it's funny. The way the Braves started,
1: I think a lot of fans here in Atlanta were just hoping that that was going to be the case. You know, the Braves got off to a slow start and go back to the, you know, beginning of June after they had that team meeting in Arizona. Yeah, things have started clicking for them. And these two teams have really kind of traded haymakers over the last couple of months. You know, the Mets take four out of five in that big series up there in New York. Then the Braves take three out of four here in Atlanta. So, Once they sort of got past that point, you started forecasting through the calendar and went, all right, the Mets have a pretty favorable month of September. The Braves' August and September is not terribly overwhelming. So, yeah, it did feel like these three games were going to be the make or break for the NL East. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just glad that Mother Nature is cooperating. You know, even 48 hours ago, a lot of folks here in Atlanta were wondering, you know, how is this going to work with the storm? Is it going to hit the area? Fortunately, it looks like everything's kind of staying east, and we should be good to go for all three games, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night here at Truist Park.
0: It really is incredible. Mother Nature, I guess, must be a big baseball fan and wants to see this series because, yeah, (laughs) as you said, it was looking pretty murky for the last couple of days. And, of course, you know, we send all of our best to the folks down south because it is a very serious situation to parts of Florida and a lot of other areas there as well. So it's good we're going to have some baseball. You mentioned June the 1st, and for those that really haven't followed along with the Braves closely, they've been the best team in baseball record-wise since June 1st, and they had a team meeting in Arizona when they were out there, but apart from just a meeting, Kevin, what do you think has kick-started this team to now the last several months? They look like the defending champs. You know, it's funny. Uh, you have a, such a veteran laden team, and it's been the young
1: guys, the, the guys they call the troublemakers here in Atlanta. It's Michael Harris II. It's Vaughn Grissom. It's Spencer Strider, to me, really helping solidify this rotation. You know, early on in the season, There was some mixing and matching. There was a couple of young prospects in Bryce Elder and Kyle Muller that got some starts along the way. But since they moved Strider from that sort of long relief role into the rotation, it's really been a game changer. It's really helped calm things down. This guy hasn't made, what, uh, 22 or 23 starts, and he's punched out over 200 already. Uh, It's remarkable the job that Strider has done. Michael Harris, the second in the outfield. You know, the one thing the Braves did a really nice job of last year was they they were really, really, and the last few years, they've been a really good defensive ball club. But early on this season, just wasn't the same. Remember, they were playing without Ronald Acuna Jr. Eddie Rosario, the NLCS MVP, he had an eye issue. He couldn't see the baseball. He missed a couple of months. So really, defense was a big issue for the Braves. They bring in Michael Harris, and he's done it on both sides of the ball. So, you know, what they've gotten from these young guys has been nothing short of remarkable, and they haven't looked overwhelmed. They haven't looked like the moment's getting too big for them. Uh, they're stepping up, and if anything, they're stepping up their game in, in some of these big moments. So, to me, it's been the young guys. It's been the William Contreras's of the world. He's not even supposed to be here this year. He was supposed to be at AAA, but Manny Pena who was the Braves' backup catcher, gets hurt. He's out for the year, and here's Contreras having a 20-homer season, first Braves catcher to do that since Brian McCann in 2013. So a lot of guys, what I'm getting at, that weren't expected to be a part of this team have come up huge and they've really helped sort of put this team on their back over the last
0: few months. The Atlanta Braves, the organization, is so well put together. Alex Anthopoulos and his staff, and we know that. I mean, you don't win four division titles in a row in a world championship by accident, but it seems like the pipeline is always stacked up. You ran down a couple of them, and certainly, you know, Met fans have had their share of them already, and you know that there's going to be more for years to come. The Michael Harris's, the Vaughn Grissoms, just guys that we've seen this year. I'll tell you this, Kevin, you know, when, when a couple of weeks back, when Julio Rodriguez and the Mariners signed his mega contract extension, you know, as a rookie, and Michael Harris, of course, Mm -hmm. already they locked him up earlier this summer, I said to myself, boy, Michael Harris is having as good a season as Julio Rodriguez is, but yet he came considerably cheaper than what the Mariners signed Julio (laughs) Rodriguez for.
1: (laughs) Timing's everything, isn't it? I mean, Harris signed that deal, what, like three or four days before the deal was announced with the Mariners, but look, it it, it works on both sides. And I'll say the same about the Acuna deal. I know a lot was made of that after a year or two saying, well, look, this guy, you got him for a hundred million bucks, two or three or four years later, he might've been a $300 million player, but these guys are both so young. It's guaranteed money. It's game changing money. when When you talk about your future and your family's future, and it also does allow the team to continue to build around them, but also allows those guys when they become, 30 years old to still get another mega contract. So, you know, for me, I think you look at, there's, there's pros on both sides of this for the team. They can keep adding pieces around. See Matt Olson and the long-term extension, Austin Riley, he gets north of $200 million. But again, when those guys are, you know, in the prime of their careers, they're still going to be at a point where if they, if their careers, you know, paths go along the way you think they will, they'll still have a chance to get those groundbreaking contracts as well. So it's a win-win for both sides, really, when you think
0: about it. Talking with Kevin McAlpin of the Braves Radio Network here on 98.7 ESPN. Mets and Braves first to three coming up tomorrow night there from Atlanta. Ronald Acuna Jr., we know he's the best player on this team, but he's obviously had some injury concerns. You know, they've spelled him here and there. He's missed a couple of games trying to, you know, be as close to 100% as possible. How much of a lingering concern do you think his health is going to be from here until whenever their season ends, Kevin?
1: that's the big thing. It's going to take him a full off season to really, you know, get back to a hundred percent, but I'll say this. I think the fact that they gave him either three or four games off last week, he's come back and he's looked like a totally different player. Um, Look, nobody in the clubhouse in 30 clubhouses right now is a hundred percent. Guys are dealing with all kinds of stuff. But I think when you look at, you know, you're, you're trying to win games. Obviously you're trying to win a division. You'd love to have those five or six days off. That's huge this year with the expanded playoffs. But at the same time, I, I think when you look at where Ronald is, um, I think just having a few days to get off his legs has really helped. Um, so I think he's feeling good. He had a multi-homer game the other night. That's encouraging to see. I think he's really starting to see the ball better. And they're going back to the defense, I mentioned the Braves' outfield defense earlier. They're just such a better defensive ball club with Acuna in right and with Harris in center teams just aren't willing to take that gamble and run that extra 90 feet so for me i think you ronald's just gonna have to find a way to to grind through this and deal with this ideally deep into october again this year and then get you know four and a half months where he can sort of just kick his feet up and i'm sure they'll ease him into spring training next year but yeah it's he's going to need a, a whole off season uh to get back to where he wants to be but right now like i said the numbers are sort of trending in the right direction, and that's that's really encouraging for folks here in Atlanta.
0: Braves might have the top two finishers in the National League Rookie of the Year race this year with Michael Harris and Spencer Strider. Strider they're not going to see this weekend because he's on the shelf right now with an oblique. How much of that is actually attributed to the injury, Kevin, and how much of that is, well, he's a rookie, we want to limit the innings and rest him as much as possible, and let's put him on the shelf here a little bit. How much do you think of that as far well- as the balance with his stint on the I.L.?
1: And that was the big question all season long was, okay, is there going to be an innings limit? Are they going to cap him? And Alex Anthopoulos sort of shot that down pretty quickly and said, look, you know, I, I tried that as a younger GM in Toronto, and everybody's body is different. You know, we, you can you can put an innings limit on guys, and they can still get hurt. It's just everybody's different. So it, it's it's truly an injury. It's funny, when they, when they pushed him back uh, and said he was dealing with a little oblique thing, a lot of folks around here started speculating – They were holding him back to the Mets series. Well, obviously we find out that's not the case. He's dealing with an oblique. Braves are cautiously optimistic he'll be good to go for the postseason uh, because that's a huge arm to have with that kind of swing and miss stuff uh, in October baseball. Uh, But, look, to me it's more of he just felt something. It wasn't 100%. There was something that was – and we know obliques. You know, something very minor with an oblique that could might be be a two, two and a half week thing can turn into a two and a half month thing very quickly. So I think he did the right thing. Young players tend to not say something. I I commend him on telling the organization something wasn't right. So, yeah, this was more of he's dealing with something that's not quite, you know, feeling 100%. So I think they did the smart thing. And, again, hopefully shut him down for just the 15 days and, and get him right back out there, whether it is in the wild card or a division series.
0: They've walked a tightrope constantly with Kenley Jansen at the back end of this bullpen. Um, you have <laughs> Ryzel Iglesias, who they brought in at the deadline, is another capable closer back there. What do you think your best guess is once October rolls around? Is Kenley still going to be the guy that ultimately is going to be closing out games here, or is it going to be a mix-and-match situation, <clears throat> given that's how October baseball tends to play out anyways? No, I think
1: it's Kenley's job. I do. And it's been a spirited debate to say the least here in Atlanta on sports talk radio about what do you do in the ninth inning? Is it Kenley Jansen? Do you go a different direction with Rysell Iglesias who has been terrific since the Braves acquired him at the deadline? I do think that when you look at the back of the baseball card, you look at the success Kenley's had an ERA, just a tick North at two. He's been in the postseason year in and year out with the Dodgers. So the Braves trust, you know that he can get the job done the big thing for kenley is he hasn't had a whole lot of clean innings and he's very slow to the plate so guys get on they're taking that extra 90 feet guys are running left and right on him. so one run game in the postseason it is a bit of a scary proposition but i do think similar to last year when will smith struggled uh in uh, june and july brian snicker stuck with him he kept him as his closer And Will said after the World Series how much that meant to him, how much confidence that gave him. And I think it's a very similar situation now with Kenley Jansen. They're sticking with him. They're going to let him be the closer. Now, here's the good news. If you have a situation where, uh, you know, if if you have two or three or four days in a row where you have save opportunities, you do have Iglesias. You do have A.J. Minter. Um, You have Tyler Matic, who was so good in the playoffs a year ago. You've got Colin McHugh who can give you multiple innings. They're set up pretty well in the back end of their bullpen. But ultimately – one two three run game in the ninth inning it's going to be kenley jansen for the rest of the year
0: kevin final thing here and so much is made this year about you know you have two teams here or two of the best in baseball but unfortunately one is going to have to be the wild card here because there are going to only be one division winner do you think this braves team can get back to a world series if they have to go the wild card route and play that extra series and maybe not have their pitching lined up as you would like given the extra games you got to play I do. If I have Spencer Strider, uh, if I don't have Spencer Strider, that that gives me a little
1: bit more pause for concern. But yeah, look, this is a, this is a team that they they are very motivated. They are very focused. They they set off spring training. They wanted to get out to a quicker start. We know that didn't happen. But ultimately, I think what they went through a year ago, being an 88 win team and just running through the Brewers and taking down the Dodgers, who they you know blew a 3-1 lead against in 2020 in the LCS. Taking them down and then going and you know winning Game Six in Houston last year, uh, it's a very very confident bunch. And like I said, offensively, while they haven't looked great over the last month, I think you're starting to see some guys heat up at the right time. See Eddie Rosario, see Orlando Arcia, who's done a really nice job filling in for Ozzie Albies, who the Braves are hoping they can get him back into playoffs. Uh, but you know we all know pitching in October is going to be the story. So if the Braves get Spencer Strider back, I feel a whole lot better about their chances to make a deep run. Uh, If not, it's a little bit more challenging. But then again, you do have a guy in Charlie Morton who you brought in here to be Mm -hmm. a big game pitcher for you. He's done that over the years in Houston. Uh, So ultimately, uh, it's going to be on the pitching. I feel really good about the offense. I like the bullpen. I like where they're at right now. Starting pitching is going to be key, but I think if they they feel like right now they can go toe-to-toe with anybody.
0: Should be a fun one. Can't wait for it to get started tomorrow. Kevin, really appreciate a couple of minutes, some great insight there from you. Enjoy this series. Should be a heck of a lot of fun, but we appreciate you hopping on, my friend.
1: Should be a lot of fun. Thanks, man.
0: All right. There's Kevin McAlpin of the Braves radio network. Good stuff from him from Atlanta. And look, you know, we've talked about it a lot, just chronicling them from afar, I, I, I think the first couple of months of the season, it was twofold with them. You know, maybe they were living off the spoils of winning the World Series. They also had to get used to life without Freddie Freeman, who was the face of that franchise for so long. And he leaves to go to the Dodgers. And Matt Olson is in. And they kind of, you know, went through the motions those first couple of months of the season. But since June 1st, and then you throw in the influx of some of that young talent they called up from the minor leagues. This Braves team has been as good, if not better, than anybody in baseball. All the Mets need to do is have a good showing this weekend, and they can put him to rest, at least for the regular season in this National League East. We'll talk some more baseball, at least met Yankee baseball, with John Harper coming up in about 15 minutes. But when we come back, more of your calls, 800-919-3776. And also, with the playoffs approaching, who do the players want on their side and have the most confidence in when you talk about the all-important month of October? We'll let you know what they had to say. It's the Dan Grasser Show right here on 987 ESPN. sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash network all lowercase go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash network dan Gross's show here on 987 espn we're rolling till 10 o'clock as per usual We'll talk to John Harper, VESNY, little Mets and Yankees talk coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Thanks to Kevin McAlpin for hopping on with us, talking little Braves baseball. Remember, DeGrom and Max Freed in the opener tomorrow on Friday night. And it looks like we should get all three games in there due to the weather uh, that was going to be an issue. And then now it sounds like, as you heard Kevin say, that won't be that big of a deal, which is interesting. Uh, let us say hi to Dan in Manhattan, who is up next here on 98.7. Oh, Richard, I'm sorry. Richard, how are you? Hi, Dan. Dan,
2: if Judge left, yeah, would this be bigger than when Siva left the first time in 77? No. Siva was bigger. Of course. He was there for 12 years, and he had
0: won a championship, taking him to two World Series, something the Judge has not done yet for the Yankees. And he hasn't been there 12 years.
2: So you think the fans would get over it? just like the uh, obviously the Mets thing well, got over well, his-
0: well Richard you got to remember too 1977 baseball was more popular than it is in 2022 do you agree on that Yeah, yeah. yeah, So that's what I mean. I mean, so, and remember, there was, you know, there's a lot of other things that can occupy your time now with the internet and so on and so forth. Baseball was like front and center of every sports conversation, probably still in America, and much less in our city. So, no, when Seaver got traded in 77, I think that was way more of a loss that was felt as opposed to what would happen. And and remember, Seaver was traded away. If Judge leaves in free agency,
2: that's his choice at the end of the day. That's true. Correct. Correct. It was more like, uh, There was more acrimony with uh, Siva. That was bad. Uh, Dan, let me ask you. The Yankees' last game is next Wednesday.
0: Uh, Yes, against Texas. When do they start
2: the playoffs? When is the Yankees' first game?
0: Yankees' first game, because they have the bye, will be on October the 11th, which is a Tuesday.
2: So they're going to have six days off.
0: Correct. That's a lot, isn't it? Isn't it is. not its not that borderline too much? Well, not really, because remember, that's what the incentive is now, to win your division and to get one of these buys by but, adding the extra playoff team. So, you know, in the National League, it's going to be the Dodgers and either the Mets or the Braves, whoever wins the East. and the American League, it's going to be the Astros and the I, Yankees. I, think, I, un- I, I understand think it's
2: good. the goal, Dan. I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah. but your personal opinion, you don't think six days is a lot? You do lose momentum? I don't think it's a problem, no, because –
0: I'll tell you why, because after you play Richard 162 games, these guys will welcome the rest. They really and truly will, and I think it's going to benefit the pitchers even more so that they're not going to have to go up there and they can rest their arms for a week. I think it's going to be a huge advantage. I really and truly believe it.
2: And I can, I'm going to bring up something Michael had brought up on his show before. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they, they were talking about calls, and they were, you know, they said one guy, I think, Kurt Schilling. Was a little negative toward Michael's calls. Said was. <clears throat> oh, you mean play by you mean play by play calls? The play by play you. call, correct. And then Michael, Michael, of course, was repeating all the great calls in sports history. I will say, well, I'm not going to make judgment on anybody's call, but the greatest call I ever heard in sports, the greatest, was very, very con- concise. It was new, uh, new New Year's Day, 1967. The Ice Bowl. Mm-hmm. Green Bay, Dallas.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, first of all, can you imagine if sports radio existed then? Lombardi was losing 17 14, 17 14, six seconds to go, and he eschewed the field goal. In other words, that was a real riverboat gamble. Richard, he I love
0: to... the fact that you used an eschewed on the eschewed. show tonight. That's, right. that's, so, right. that's some big time SAT vocabulary. Oh, word yeah, right there, yeah, my sure. Friend.
2: All right. So he doesn't go for the field goal. And he goes for the touchdown. Whereas if, you know, you don't get the touchdown, that was it. That was the last play of the game. And he went for the – anyway, all right. Ray Scott. This was Ray Scott's call. Did you ever hear Ray Scott, the great announcer for CBS announcer on – Of the uh, Ice
0: Bowl? Yes, I know that call. All right.
2: This was his call. Mm -hmm. Star. Touchdown. That was it. I thought it was the greatest Ray call Scott, I've ever heard Scott before.
0: also, you know, his appendages might have been frozen, too, at that point. You have to take yeah, that, that that's into consideration. True. That's true. You know, that's you know true. what I mean? He might have been able to even move his mouth. You know that's what I mean? No, but sometimes, Rich, and thanks for the phone call, you know, like uh, we just lost Vince Scully this year, and he was as good at it as anybody, of course. Sometimes less is more. You know, sometimes, yeah, not sometimes, often, if it is a monumental occasion, you just lay out. And if it's on TV, you let the scenes, the pictures, the images tell the entire story. You don't have to talk over that. People are watching it. They can form their own impression. Less is more. Agree, a thousand percent. Now, if it's on radio, that's a little bit different. You have to talk a little bit more. You have to describe. You have to paint the word picture like this from Sunday afternoon at the Meadowlands. Burrow takes the snap, dropping back Pressure comes, they got him Down at about the four-yard line And the Jets are going to burn that timeout So they should have some good field position to work with and Williams gets to Joe Burrow That's how you make a call Shameless plug, of course (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't quite the ice ball Wasn't quite, you know, Judge hitting a 61st home run But it was a call, it happened it was a professional sporting event. Jets ended up getting a field goal. Before the half is over. <laughs> I like I like the employees on loop. I like that. Very very good. Um. So, anyways, playoffs are starting. Well, they will be starting next week. The Athletic, which does a good job, they talk to two hundred. Major League Baseball players across the league conducted one of those informal polls, as they say, about different topics pertaining to the MLB postseason. And I got to tell you, the findings were very, very positive towards our local teams. Okay. First question. Game seven of the World Series. Who do you want starting? You know what the answer was? Jacob deGrom. A doy. 34% of the vote. You know who the runner-up was? Max Scherzer. 17% of the vote. Then you had Justin Verlander, Sandy Alcantara, and Max Freed. I don't know why Sandy Alcantara's name would be in there because the Marlins aren't going to play postseason baseball. But Garrett Cole wasn't one of the names up there. Isn't that funny? I mean, not also receiving multiple votes, there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 other guys and not one of them Garrett Cole. So they named... 13, 14, 17 pitchers were named. Out of the 200 that they talked to, 17 pitchers were named. Who would you want starting Game 7 of the World Series? Not one of them was Garrett Cole. Wow. All right, here's the next question. Game 7 of the World Series, who do you want closing? Answer, Edwin Diaz. I'll tell you who I don't want at the game is Timmy Trumpet. So if Edwin's there, I, I don't want Timmy anywhere part of it. Bring me trumpet, play the song. Josh Hader, Emmanuel Classe, next in line as far as the vote is concerned. But, I mean, like, over – Edwin Diaz, 45% of the vote. I mean, that's almost like half. For a guy who's – see, that's the thing with Diaz. And as a, as a fan, you have to, like, cringe a little bit, right? You got you to cringe because this is going to be Edwin Diaz's first flirtation with the playoffs. He's never pitched in the month of October before. So – Will the stage be too big? You know what I mean? And I, I I, just, why am I getting like Armando Benitez vibes? Great regular season, then get to the playoffs, and then pff, forget it. All right, game seven of the World Series, game on the line. Who do you want at the plate? Answer from the players, Aaron Judge. 15% of the vote. Then Paul Goldschmidt, Luis Arise, Mike Trout, Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts. And then the last question, most intimidating atmosphere during the postseason? Yankee Stadium, top result, 43% of the vote. Not for nothing, but is that really fair? Like, the Yankees haven't been to a World Series in 13 years. Is Yankee Stadium really, is the new Yankee Stadium intimidating? And I still believe that there is a good number of folks out there, maybe even in Major League Baseball, players or whatnot, because whenever they talk about, oh, it's such an honor coming into Yankee Stadium and, and, you know, doing this in Yankee Stadium, it's such a special place. Like, when people say that, it drives me crazy because they make it seem as if this was still the same structure that had stood for decades and decades and decades where the Yankees won all those championships. Like, I don't know if people outside of New York know that this is not the same Yankee Stadium, that this is only the Yankee Stadium that's been up since 2009, this isn't the one that Ruth played in and Gehrig played in and DiMaggio and Mantle and Jeter and Rivera and Munson and Nettles and Gidry. You know what I mean? And Reggie. This, that's a different place. So when people talk about how special is coming to Yankee Stadium, why? What special thing has happened in Yankee Stadium, this Yankee Stadium? Yankees won the World Series in 2009? What else happened that's special? Jeter got a game-winning hit in his final game against the Orioles? Jeter hit a home run for his 3,000th hit? Like other Like, what's so special that happened here? Who will win the World Series? Top result, L.A. Dodgers. 40% of the vote. Then you have the Braves, the Mets, and the Astros. So that is the athletic. 200 players that they spoke to. And those are the answers. So, still, you know, like I said, a lot of faith in the locals. A lot of faith. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We come back. We'll talk some more baseball. John Harper of SNY, longtime columnist. We'll talk a little Yanks, a little Mets. Dan Gross, the show till 10 on 98.7 ESPN.
1: You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight.
0: Mets and Yankees off. They'll be back on the Diamond tomorrow. Mets, of course, that huge series down in Atlanta. Yankees will welcome in the Orioles for the final homestand of the season with Aaron Judge just one long ball away from rewriting the American league history books and joining us now to talk a little bit about the baseball locals, longtime baseball columnist. You read him on SNY.tv. You see him on SNY among others. He's our good pal, John Harper. Harp. Good to catch up my friend. How are things?
3: Good, Dan. How you doing?
0: Doing great. Not as good as Aaron judge, of course, here. Um, <laughs> do you think this whole thing finally wraps up this weekend with the
3: Orioles in town? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty much owned the Orioles and, uh, I mean their pitching is better than it used to be but still I think that that, had, that one last night had to free him up a little bit I just you know you could almost see it I uh, feel like getting that, t- just tying the record I think I think he hits a couple more this weekend and probably ends up I think he ends up like 64 65 um so yeah I think I think we'll see uh more history uh this weekend which would be which would be fun
0: Now I'm curious because like let's say it happens soon let's say it happens as soon as tomorrow night Given that they're playing for bigger goals now, and I know that it's going to be left up to the player, but if you're Boone, like, don't you consider maybe getting him off his feet at least a few times before that season ends to give him as much rest as possible, compounded with that first-round bye they're going to have?
3: Yeah, I think that he would give him a couple of days, but at the same time, as you say, they're going to have that buy. You know, you don't want to give these guys, like, to the point where they have seven, eight, nine days off if you give them too much, too many days off, so I think maybe a day here, uh, maybe two days, but I think he would play out those last few in Texas uh, as long as he, once he gets the record, because that's a long time. We've seen it in the past. It can affect these teams when they're sitting around for uh, even just for five days. So, I would think they'd want to play at the end of the year at the end of this regular schedule.
0: I just had a caller, believe it or not, a little a few minutes ago talking about that with that first round buy and the extra five days. And, you know, it, it varies from year to year. I actually think that it won't be too big of a deal, and I think certainly the pitchers are gonna welcome it, getting that extra few days off here. But, you know, do you think that first round buy for the Mets and the I mean it's not for the Mets yet, it could be, but do you think that'll be more of a hindrance than a help? How do you feel, maybe, about having those five extra days?
3: Uh, I think you gotta want it if you're uh, if you're if it's your you know if you have a choice I and mean, if you can get there. Obviously, I just think the rest helps the pitchers, as you said. It's it's always a little dicey with timing for hitters. Sometimes it can be an, uh, kind of had an adverse effect. Sometimes not. I think that's the only issue. But uh, yeah, I mean, especially for the Mets, you, you know, you want to be able to hold back uh, Scherzer and Degrom and not have to uh, use those use them in a in a, that two out of three series and then maybe probably not be able to start the the uh, divisional series. So I think it's a big benefit um but it, it is something to consider cuz we I mean I remember we have seen it in the past teams I remember that maybe the most one that stands out is that Tigers versus the Cardinals oh, yeah. uh, back in what 05 09. 06. I can't they all they all run together 06 I think that was it. Um and they they couldn't hit a thing and they just you know sometimes that sometimes it, that timing will – affecting. I know uh, when Terry Collins had the days off, he said he called Jim Leland, he called uh, everybody managers that had been through it, Tony La Russa, and asked what's the best way to handle it. And they said, you know, there's no tried and true method. Just pay, basically let him play uh, some inter-squad games and try and create a little bit of uh, a little bit of you know not much intensity, but a little a little bit of game-like uh, uh, feel to it.
0: John Harper joining us here on 98.7, talking a little baseball. All right, so we know the Yankees are going in as division champs. We know that they're going to be the two-seed. When you look at this club, though, right now, are you as confident in their chances come playoff time as, let's say, you would be with a team that's going to win close to 100 games when it's all said and done?
3: It's weird, Dan. You know, I mean, uh, for a long time, yeah, they look like uh, the best team in baseball, and, then, and then they look like maybe they didn't even deserve to make the playoffs. I actually kind of feel better – better about their chances right now than I did a few weeks ago just because uh, Stanton has shown a pulse uh you know he's still he's still been a little bit of a hot and cold but he's at least seems to be the leg seems to be okay he he shows a pulse at the play these days he's always dangerous Torres has come to life Donaldson a little bit has come to life so and and maybe you get LeMayu back and as rizzo as well I think I feel like they have the pieces they need to fill in around judge it could make them uh, dangerous offensively again which they you know, they really weren't until these last couple weeks again. And a lot of it had to do with Torres. If, if he if he can stay hot, I mean, for a while he was hitting Torres right behind Judge and Stanton, um, and he was delivering. You're going to need somebody to fill that role because these teams are going to pitch around Judge a lot. We know that. And somebody else is going to have to do the damage. And uh, But I, I do think they are better equipped now offensively. And, and pitching-wise, you know, they are what they are. It, it, a lot depends on Cole. I mean, he's he's kind of he's hard to predict because – you, you, even he saw it again last night. He's sailing along with it. Well, basically, what was it? A perfect game and no yep. hitter. And boom, he gives up three runs there. He's so He's been really vulnerable to the long ball. We've seen that. So he's got to prove that he can be the guy. To pitch big games and win big games in October for them, he hasn't proved that yet. That's the key for them, pitching one. All
0: right, so it's funny. Like you said, you know, they went out there and they brought in Montas at the deadline. He's hurt. And plus, he wasn't pitching all that well even when he was healthy. You know, Severino only well, still has a few starts back from missing a considerable amount of time. Cortez, we've never seen him pitch at this point of the season before. And you mentioned Cole. Right now, and I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to answer it by default, but let's just say winner take all. There's a game seven for the Yankees, and everybody's on their normal rest. Who's the pitcher that you have the most confidence and most faith in?
3: Oh man, yeah. I, I mean, you should be called, but I feel like it's Cortez. I mean, the guy he he's not. He's proven by now. There's nothing flukish about him. He you know he, he he's not. Maybe he, he early in the year he was. Well, he's pitching to a one ERA or something for a while. He's not made it necessarily that guy, but he's proven he'll give you six uh, good innings if nothing uh, nothing less than that and keep you in the game. Rarely does he get blown out of a game. So with Cole, I just feel like you just never know when he's going to give up a couple of long balls and he seems to lose his uh, his mindset and uh, all of a sudden it's four nothing or something. So I actually would say Cortez.
0: I believe it or not. I'm siding right there with you, you know, especially now you're talking about October and you're facing good teams. I mean, if a guy can't keep the ball in the yard in the regular season, how do I know the same fate isn't going to happen to him when these games count more? And like you said, he's going yeah. up against better lineups. Speaking of um pitching, we know that that is the Mets bread and butter. That is what's going to get them where they want to go, of course, here. And, you know, we'll start with DeGrom because he's going to be on the mound tomorrow here. It's funny. Because, you know, on some of these games, he's cruising right along. You know, he's striking out 13 of the first 15 hitters. And then the sixth inning this year has been a a concern of sorts for him. It's almost like he's kind of, you know, bottomed out a little bit. And then this last start against Oakland, which was nothing that any of us would have foreseen happening. Do you have a gauge as to where he is right now? Or is this still a guy that is maybe just still trying to figure out having missed all that time?
3: I don't know if it's the time off because he came back looking as sharp as ever. Uh, he did, he does does seem to have a an issue getting past ninety or so pitches, and where he's been vulnerable to mistakes and home, and giving up some home runs. We saw it even that game against the Braves uh, earlier in the year when he was he was perfect uh, and then he gave up the home run. Um, and so I don't I, the, the, the thing the outing in Oakland just that came out of nowhere. I yeah. haven't seen that from him, and it's been years since you've seen something like that. He had he he lost. Command of his pitches, and uh, uh, maybe he got frustrated. He got, you know, he was frustrated earlier. He thought uh, Angel Hernandez wasn't giving him strikes, and he admitted afterward that they weren't strikes. So, but it definitely was in his head at the time. Uh, he just he looked like he didn't really trust his fastball. It's the first start in, in his. I think it's if I remember the stat right, it's the first start in his career that he hasn't didn't get a swing and miss on a fastball the whole the whole game. Wow. I think it was twenty seven fastballs, no swings and misses. So. And, and he was still throwing 99, he had a couple hundreds in there, I don't know if it was you know, he was on regular rest, which this year he's he's usually gotten an extra day, for the most part, because they've been trying to be careful with him so, <clears throat> so I don't know if he was missing that little, you know, extra oomph that gives you the late life, the extra the spin rate, whatever it was, but uh, that fastball wasn't quite the same and his slider, you know, he hasn't it hasn't been as sharp as it was the, those early outings so I think this is going to be really fascinating to see how he comes out against the Braves, how he attacks, because his last couple starts, he's gone more to his, uh, his, his third and fourth pitches. He threw, he threw, I think he threw about 10 curve balls the other day, which is, you know, was unheard of for him lately, the last couple of years and a changeup as well. So I think he's a little bit, you know, I mean, a guy like him should, you would think would never have a confidence problem, but confidence can be fragile and even the best pitchers. And I'm, Really interested to see how he comes out attacking the Braves if he comes out attacking with fastballs because when he faced him back in what was it July yeah he was blowing him away with the fastball and the slider so uh but he but you know when he does that he he's, he's the reason he can do that and be a two pitch pitcher and live on one side of the plate his glove side is because he's so precise but he hasn't been quite that precise lately so. Really, really fascinating start coming up here for him.
0: Talking baseball with John Harper here on 98.7 ESPN. What happened the last couple of days, those, you know, nip and tuck affairs with the Marlins, they easily could have lost both of those games here. And, you know, those other bottom feeders that they played in September at home this month, and they lost, getting swept by the Cubs, a bad series against the Nationals. Like, we've seen this from this team. Do you think that maybe it's just the case of – they play down and up to the level of the competition at times because they play great against the good teams, and then against these so-so teams, it's you know it leaves a lot to be desired. Maybe it's something that bodes well for them once the playoffs roll around. Harp when you're playing good teams,
3: maybe so. Uh, it, it, it's been really puzzling to see how poorly they played against uh, what going into last. So it's now two and six going into last night. They were one and six at home against the uh, the Cubs. The Marlins and the Nationals, switch in September, which is just hard to believe. We all thought the schedule would be what helped them get the final push to to win the division. I don't know. I mean, they, look, it, we, you know, it's not a, it's not an offense with a ton of firepower. Um, was looking this up and tweeting about it the other night. You know, the Braves, as of two nights ago, out out homered them. I think it was two thirty to one sixty, something like this, like seventy more home runs, which is ton of home runs. The Braves have a lot more firepower, and they've beaten up on bad teams more consistently that way. Where the Mets, you know, we know what they are offensively. If they don't get power from Alonzo and uh, and Lindor, they struggle at times. I mean, you know, Escobar came to the rescue last night, but they, up and down that lineup, they got too many outs uh, at times, and mm-hmm. that's, that's been an issue for them. So, I, I'm not sure. I mean, early in the year, they were getting all those clutch hits. They were They were as clutch as any team in the league. Two out hits, two strike hits, but it's hard to do that over a course of a season. And at some point, I think the the, the uh, relative lack of power, I think, is, has kind of come back to hurt them at times. And they
0: need Marte back, right, in the worst way. I mean, yeah, and now yeah, I they, guess the yeah. latest update wasn't very encouraging, saying that he still doesn't have much mobility in that finger. Who knows when or if he's going to be able to contribute to this team, but he'd be a big plus.
3: Yeah, he's really – he's huge for them. You know, he gives them so much there in that in that second spot. He really – It lengthens the lineup because then it allows, you know, Buck is, for most of the year, has hit McNeil down in the, you know, five, six, seven, even eight spots against lefties, and so it really lengthens the lineup. Without him up there, you got to move McNeil up, and then that bottom of of that lineup really gets exposed, so... They do miss Marte. He's he's been a big part of everything they've done.
2: Do
0: you have any confidence right now in this bridge to Edwin Diaz? And I know in the playoffs it gets a little tricky. Like pitchers or I mean managers are going to mix and match their pitchers. Sometimes starters act as relievers. Relievers open games, vice versa. We've seen the rules being totally rewritten over the years here. But do you think that Buck will find a way to be able to piece this thing together to get games to Diaz to get those last three outs?
3: that's really, we've talked about that all year. That to me has been, you know, the offense the questions about the offensive side, the bullpen has been the, the, the big issue. Can they find that Do they have that bridge uh, in, in big games? And will he push his starters? Will he push DeGrom? Will he push Scherzer a little bit farther, maybe? Cause uh, he, look, he, it's pretty clear. He trusts Adovino as his eighth inning guy, as his number one guy next to Diaz. But Adovino scares me because but one thing, he can't hold runners on. Runners steal at him because he's got such a long delivery. He's an automatic stolen base. So you put him in there in the eighth inning, a one-run game, guy gets a base hit, and it's a double. He's in scoring position. That and the fact that he you know, he has a tendency to hang that slider sometimes. And that's when he hangs that slider, that's a home run waiting to happen. So I don't know. I think that's where he's going to go. But, uh, well, it was really – it had to be encouraging to them to see what Drew Smith did last night. He yeah. had a lot of life, that fastball. But he, too, is another guy. He's gotten hurt this year with those, hanging those, uh, those sliders, you know. Uh, I, kept, I kept thinking McGill would be the guy to come in and, and kind of fill that role. But, it's, you know, it's kind it seems like it's almost too late for him to kind of seize that role now. He's come back, but he hasn't – he's been okay, but he hasn't really looked like the guy you saw as a starter who was really overpowering everybody. So I, I still think he could be useful, but I'm not sure he's that eighth-inning guy. And Lugo – you know, there's times he looks great. There's other times it's not so great. Yeah. So, you know, Buck's going to have to he, – he, I tell you, he's got some – he's going to have to make some tough calls probably at times, try to do matchup-wise. But uh, it's it's going to come down to – I think it's going to come down – a lot of it's going to come down to Adovino because I think Buck trusts him uh, more than anybody else.
0: All right, we got about a minute left. Close on this one. All things being equal, who's got a better chance of hoisting that trophy? Is it the Mets or the Yankees? <laughs>
3: Uh, you know, I I got a
0: – man, that's a tough call. Uh, Obviously got a factor in the leagues.
3: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I, I would say, you know, the DeGrom shares your factor but for the Mets, but I I think I got to say the Yankees just because um, the National League, that, man, that is – that's going to be some uh, some run there to get through all those. There's so many good teams in the, in the postseason. The Cardinals are going to be a really tough out too now. They always are. Uh, so I think – I think just factoring in the percentages, I'd have to go Yankees. I don't know if they can beat the Astros, but you put them in a seven-game series with them, anything could happen. So I would have to say the Yankees, just based on the strength of the leagues.
0: It's going to be fun, and we're going to start to get our answers here in about a week. Harp, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. Always appreciate the conversation. I'm sure we'll be talking again real soon, pal. Thanks for hopping on.
3: Yeah, sounds good, Dan. Thanks.
0: All right, there's John Harper, SNY. Playoffs beginning a week from tomorrow. In Major League Baseball. And you hope, we know the Yankees aren't going to be playing a week from tomorrow. You hope the Mets aren't either if they could finish off this NL East.
1: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.